So hello, Bree. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you very much for having me on. So Bree, you are a game designer, and I want to hear everything about you. But let's start by you just giving me a little bit of an introduction. Okay, I'm Bree Sheldon, aka Bo. I am a game designer, journalist, editor, and leadership educator. I've been working in games for a little over half a decade now, I think. And I've worked on projects such as Firefly Smuggler's Guide to the Rim, Let Me Take a Selfie, Of the Woods, which is a collection of lonely games, single-player games, um, as well as editing on a number of things, including uh, Lucis Nature, Journey Away, uh, which recently came out, and... Um, a variety of uh, smaller projects, some of the some bigger ones, and uh, I I'm very big into um, kind of games about identity and community and uh, exploring our emotions and stuff like that. So a little bit of a squishy person, I think. There is nothing wrong with that. I am so glad that you brought up that one of the things that you like to explore in your games is identity. I would like to dig a little deeper into that because you have a few games that really explore that. And one of the ones, at least that I'm familiar with, is the Let Me Take a Selfie. So Let Me Take a Selfie is a full collection of five games. And uh, so there's there's a couple of different, like, levels of engagement with the the games. There's the first one is Who Made Me Smile, which is a short storytelling game that you play with friends and you take selfies trying to show specific expressions, like specific emotions. And then your friends have to interpret which stories you're reading by your selfie. And it's kind of about understanding each other and also learning to express yourself. It's also a, a good uh, practice taking selfies game. <laughs> Um, and it has a, a single player game, The Story of My Face, which is all about scaring yourself. And uh, you basically take selfies while you uh, travel through a park or a, a city or something and kind of record your own horror story under the run from someone. And it's a it's pretty exciting to play. Uh, and there's also um, Don't Look at Me, which is a two player game about a long distance relationship. And it's based on my own experiences while my husband was deployed and um, the difficulties that, you know, we encountered throughout that period. And my, one of my favorites in the collection is uh, Now You Don't, which is about being invisible at a party. <laughs> and uh, it can take a pretty large number of people. And um, it's basically you can like text message people and stuff, but like some people don't notice you don't acknowledge you and it really explores that kind of intensity yeah and literally i can't which is the last in the collection is um, very much about uh showing your competence and um you play uh people trying to solve a crisis and um you're all proving your your competency through a selfie and uh your your way of solving the problem it's a very uh kind of odd game because it, it asks the question of what you think competent looks like the flavor of all of these games of like actually using a camera phone and having those like taking those selfies is like like a really tangible thing that we have all done at some point in our life and using something that we all or that most people have already done once is a really unique way to like be the basis of the game what I guess what made you explore that and explore identity through that kind of lens? Pardon the pun. <laughs> so I love selfies. 
uh, I take them basically every day. Sometimes I just take them for myself and don't show them to anybody. But I started taking selfies as a way to cope with uh, body issues and emotional um, struggles with my mental health. And um, I basically just do my best to like take a selfie when I need to help myself process an emotion because I can understand myself better and see myself as a a, a real person who matters. And uh, they've also like helped me connect with other people by being able to share my face online, which for a period has been discouraged in some places, like use avatars that hide your face and, and keep yourself hidden. And showing off like my selfies was kind of a way for me to be like, no, I'm a person, like I'm a people. Uh, can you, you know, look at me and see me? And it's been a way for me to express my gender identity. And I just, I really wanted to express that in games because not everybody knows about that tool. Not everybody knows that you can take a picture of yourself and see yourself differently and that you have that freedom. And self-portraiture is like always been a thing. Like it's been around forever. And I've even kind of done an interview about it for a mini documentary that was done a while ago where... I talked about how it's basically the same thing as like an oil painting. Um, it's just, you know, you're doing it more immediately. Right. I think that's really important because I think that selfies can be extremely powerful for what you're talking about, helping deal with body issues or mental health. Like I know for when I'm feeling really good about myself, like I think I actually feel put together. It's like, I want to record this. Like I feel good and I want to record myself feeling good so that on the days when I don't feel good, I can remind myself that these days don't last. Yeah. And like, that's, that's a large part of what like I try to promote with, with selfies in general. And like, it's something I preach, but it's also, you know, why I made a game. And I also like uh, the reason why in uh, Who Made Me Smile, you do different emotions responding to stories is so that we can see that there are different ways to see yourself. And even if you're angry, maybe it's okay to take a selfie and see that anger and acknowledge it and, and validate it. Because like a lot of the time I've taken, I've done actual self-portraits with a camera as well as like regular cell phone selfies. And like I've done them of just me when I'm feeling sick and miserable and I this is how I feel today. And I send it out and I'm just like, Hey friends, see me and like, know that I exist even though it's hard. Yeah. I think that's such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful message for so many people in, in different stages of their lives. I recently had a kid and like on days that were really hard for me, I, I did take selfies because for me, that was a way of processing like Hey, I'm I'm still me. I'm not just a mom anymore. Like I'm still me, even though I uh, have had like three hours of sleep and look like crap. <laughs> yeah, it can do that. It's great like that. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of folks who underestimate that, and I think that your like this particular game and the way you promote that message online is a really beautiful thing. I get so excited when I see on Twitter, uh, you know, you posting your selfies or you getting everybody going on flirt squad, which I'm I'm sure kind of stemmed from. <laughs> that was actually started by Darcy Ross, but I was called in as the, uh, as, as DC calls me the flirt king, uh, <laughs> the, the, the selfie king, the flirt hunk. So I, uh, I had to come in and, and show people how to take some selfies. And it's been actually <laughs> really amazing, uh, seeing, some people like learn to take selfies better just like in the time that we've known each other briefly through flirt squad yeah and like 
If I wasn't actually as much of a mess about flirting in real life as I am, <laughs> I might actually make a game about that. But I'm still working on that. I don't got the <laughs> real life face to face chill. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, Darcy started that and somebody tagged me in and I was just like, well, I just take a whole bunch of them. Like that's part of the rule is just take as many as you possibly can. It's <laughs> not like you have to keep all of them, but you don't have to delete all of them either. Like I save almost all of my selfies um, unless I do like it. Some days I'll take like literally like a hundred and that sounds like a ton and it, it is, but some days that's what I need to, to get through like looking at myself in the mirror because I have some body issues related to my weight and my gender um, expression and everything. And it can be very hard to, to look in the mirror and see who I am. But with selfies, I can frame myself and be like, no, that's how I look. I look like that in the mirror. And gosh, it's powerful. Yeah, it 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 is, and it's uh, it's just such a it's such a good message because, like, I can't count the number of times when like I have or I've had a friend tell me that they hate looking in the mirror or something like that. But there's something about like taking a selfie versus looking in the mirror that is like more validating, and it's almost like you can spend more time like evaluating yourself. Yeah, you get you get more time and you also control the angle and control the lighting more and stuff like you can find a really pretty place in your house to stand and get like the lighting that makes you look super dramatic and maybe hide some of your flaws. Like I do that with my light at my computer desk whenever I take selfies with my webcam. It's like a really super bright light and I turn off all the other lights in the <laughs> office and just take some pictures of just like that super harsh light that hides all my blemishes and, you know, makes me look really like fancy and stuff. And sometimes I need to do that. And that way I can get through the day. I, I really adore that. It's uh, I just I have loved following you for just the positivity around selfies and and when i found let me take a selfie i i was just so excited about it thank you so it's really fantastic so that's that's the uh that's the that's the plug about uh let me take a selfie is everybody should buy it it's it's wonderful and delightful <laughs> and i really hope i get the chance to play it with some friends sometime soon <laughs> yeah that if you do please tell me how it goes i always love to see like what people find out whenever they play a game like that you know, you've talked a little bit about what led you to making Let Me Take a Selfie, the games in that, and kind of the the reasons why you take those selfies. Why RPGs? Like, what is it about RPGs that led you to start designing games? For me, I think a lot of the reason why I really love designing games um, in RPGs, because I design uh, both live action games and uh, tabletop games. And I... I, I designed them because you can control the narrative. I actually created a tool called, it's a toolbox called Script Change, which is basically kind of a cinematically themed toolbox of ways that you can control the narrative and like the way things are going in the story by saying like, rewind, let's back up and redo that. Let's pause and take a break and let's fast forward. And there are some other associated tools in the, in the toolbox. And that is part of like my idea for games in general is that you should be in a, in a role-playing game and in a storytelling game, you should be controlling the narrative. You should be the one in charge of what's happening, which some people think actually ruins the story. You know, you're supposed to let things happen and, you know, deal with the consequences and never be able to, you know, resist them whenever they happen. That's the randomness, right? Yeah. But for me, like, it's a really big, uh, 
it's a really big thing of being able to tell the story that exactly I want to tell, but do it typically in a collaborative manner mm-hmm. or in a way that I don't have to write an entire book. Because <laughs> um, like I write a lot of single player games. I, I think that they're very fun and I think that they're awesome because you can be like, well, no, I don't actually like that. I'm just going to do it my way. And I have a collection called uh, Of the Woods that I did with a number of other designers um, that are all just single uh, single player question games called Lonely Games. And games like those are really fun because they kind of exemplify to me what role playing is about, which is I'm going to tell a story or play a character. And when I do this, if something goes wrong, I can just be like, well, I appreciate that rule <laughs> and I'm going to ignore it because I, I want people to, you know, explore something freely. And and I think I think that always tells so rich of stories. And it also allows you to put in representation for people who might otherwise not be represented. There aren't really a lot of people like me in media. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like making games where people can play people like me, you know, is, is cool. I don't always play people like me because I'm still, you know, struggling a little bit with that. But making it so someone at the table can definitely play, you know, a non-binary masculine person. That's, that's cool to me. That's something I want to see. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really important thing that you do is, is including that ability to, to provide space for people, just space for all people. And the thing that I love about script change in particular is how it's, it's helping create like a consensual and, like safe space to play. I actually like adore that these kinds of toolboxes that exist, whether it's the X card or um, lines and veils Mm -hmm. or with script change, it's like, no, we want, we want to make things safe and collaborative and still consensual because sometimes in these like live games, like you said, you know, we're expected to just deal with the consequences of certain actions and maybe that makes it less fun and not as fulfilling and potentially unsafe for a player yeah i I mean that's a lot of the reason why like turn it exists which is the game that i'm i'm coming up to kickstarting soon it's a, a game about shapeshifters in small towns and in the text i am talking a lot about like basically who really does live in small towns but yeah, like who really does live in small towns? You know, like there are diverse people in small towns that are sometimes hidden behind the town itself. And um, I talk about that in a lot of the essays that are associated with the game. And um, also the game itself is a lot about, you know, your shapeshifters trying to hide your identity, but still live your life. And that is like, I, I think that those kind of stories can't exist Unless you kind of give the possibility of saying like no to something that's happening in game, like turn wouldn't be a fun game for me if like whenever something really bad happened, I couldn't turn to the GM and, you know, using script change because script change is built into the game. Like be like, I don't really like this is going to ruin my fun as a player. Can we maybe not play this out? Right. And so like, I don't know. I I think that having consent and stuff is such a huge aspect of enjoying games. And and maybe it's not always there when it should be. Yeah. And I, I think that usually, for the most part, people are playing with their friends. People play games with their friends. And the last thing you want to do is hurt your friends or make your friends uncomfortable, much less uh, a stranger in a pickup game, right? Like, so I think these kinds of tools are like just so, so important to that kind of thing. Because if you hurt your friend, like you could have 
in, in collaborative storytelling, if everybody doesn't have power to make important decisions, I think that there's that risk of of hurting your friend to a point that it hurts that friendship. Yeah, definitely. I I've been hurt by people in game before and like that that's a especially because people sometimes don't think to apologize for it. Sometimes that just stays and that's why like I even with my closest friends I use script change at the table. Yeah, I think it's perfect. It's it's such a great toolbox and it is really important. Thank you. Thank you for making it. I really like it. It's a it's a different kind of consent tool that is is a really a really different way to like really evaluate it from like a storytelling perspective instead of just like you no know, with X cards. It's like nope, I don't want to talk about that. Let's change to do something else. Like let's just jump forward or something. Versus with script change, I really feel that it is about the collaborative storytelling and it is about like a okay, let's pause. I mm-hmm. don't like where that scene went. Can we like backtrack a little bit and start back to where we were and kind of make some different decisions? Yeah, that's a uh, that's that's a lot of what I like. <laughs> yeah. And I like that because then it's like the group deciding where the story is going to go versus just like an improvised moment, which isn't always a bad thing either, but Right. And there's value to, you know, the X card in some situations. Um, I, I choose to use script change because I like the nuance that it provides. I designed it to meet my needs as a player. Right. And they may not meet everybody's needs. I don't know. But the best part about it for me is like there's a bunch of tools in the toolbox and you can choose to use some or all. And that, that makes a difference for me to be like flexible and to have like, I don't know. The the ability to like give and revoke consent throughout the game, yeah, is important. Yeah, so and it's a way of checking in too. I think like ourselves checking ourselves in, you know, mm-hmm. and and checking in with our with our friends and players at the table. Yeah. So tell me about turn. It uses script change. It is a new game of yours that you will have kickstarted by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Um. So turn is a Slice of Life Supernatural game about shapeshifters in small towns. It's mostly a quiet drama where you focus on the everyday lives of shifters who are struggling sometimes to balance between their beast and human identities, as well as find community in the mundane community of their small town, as well as with other shifters. Yeah, I love Turn. I've been working on it for a really long time, and I am super amped to finally get it to Kickstarter. It's a deconstructive design of Powered by the Apocalypse system, so it has some stuff that looks familiar to Powered by the Apocalypse, but doesn't quite function exactly the same. And (laughs) uh, it has some newer stuff that I've put in of my own without any modeling off of anything else as well, without any destructive design. And um, it's, uh, it's really about exploring who you really are. Tell me more about that. Like, how how does a player explore their their character, the the shapeshifter? Like, what kinds of stories or what kinds of like experiences or encounters can a shapeshifter run into, or what sorts of things would a player get to see in a game? So, turn is intended to be a pretty quiet drama, like I said. So that means there's not typically um, a lot of violence and murder and drama that like tears apart the scene it's it's a lot about trying to just like live your life and be you know 
close to the people that you care about while still being who you are. And um, so there are human roles and beast archetypes, and you choose one of each. And uh, so you have two character sheets that join together. And you kind of, you have powers and abilities that let you do things in your various forms, whether you're in your human form or your beast form. And a lot of the time, it ends up seemingly very simple and basic stuff that you do. Uh, like, I had character that uh, his dad was sick. And he was trying to make sure that he could make enough money to fund the healthcare and housing for him. Um, and then they were like trying to make sure that his home didn't get bought out from under him because he was sick and couldn't take care of himself or anything. And that was like a really stressful, intense thing. But it was also just a normal thing that normal people deal with. Right. The same character also had like some issues of as a a cougar feeling territorial when this, you know, new creature moved into town, there was a bear that came in on the land. And he was super concerned about a bear being there. And the more he investigated, the more he found out that the bear was a friend rather than foe. But in the process had to, you know, resist the urge to do violence because it could have been catastrophic. Right. We've had characters that are just trying to plan, you know, stuff for the upcoming election. And uh, dealing with, you know, the mayor directly is always a stressful experience. But also sometimes it's just going out to get a bite to eat. <laughs> and the stressors that you encounter along the way, people judging you for being a little bit different, maybe, even if it's not because you're a shifter, because most of the time people don't know. Right. And uh, it's it's very daily life stuff. All this small town environment where everybody knows who you are and there's gossip every single session. At the beginning, uh, there's a phase called gossip phase and you spread rumors about yourself and other players. <laughs> and uh, it helps inform what happens in the sessions a lot of the time. So it's it's very, um, I don't know, we have, we've had some serious stuff happen sometimes. Like, you know, characters that were sick. Uh, like their family members were sick or we had, you know, there's maybe a crisis in the town where a wolf was caught in a trap. And, you know, the the pack is really curious and asking the shifter, basically, like when they're in, in wolf form, like, where where's this trap come from? What are you doing? And they have to help solve the problem, both in human form and beast form. I really love that. It seems like it can be like a very emotional game, but also like a pretty wholesome game. <laughs> a lot of it is just we're just trying to do our best. Yeah. You know, whenever we're playing turn, like you have these goals on your sheet that help you kind of target what your character is doing and based on like what they want out of life. And um, like one of the characters is a lover and all they want is someone to love. And it can be familial love or romantic love or anything, even best friend. That's just, that's what they want out of life is to have someone else to be with. And they got to pursue that somehow, even whenever they're dealing with things like trying to keep their job and, you know, trying to keep it hidden that maybe they're secretly a snake. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> that can be a little, <laughs> it can be a little exciting. Yeah. But. So what was the inspiration for Turn? So Turn actually came from playing another game and feeling like something wasn't there. Uh, so I uh, I like Monster Hearts, um, the game. I played it years ago, and I've played it many times since then. But whenever I played it this time, I really, I just felt like something wasn't there. It was, I didn't know what it was at the time. Like, I was just trying to figure it out. 
And I knew like I wanted to explore like identity and like I want to explore like relationships and I wanted to talk about community and I wanted to be in small towns. And I was like, and also I would like there to be werewolves. It's <laughs> kind of like, that's it. That's all I yeah. have. Um, and so that's how the uh, destructive design of Monster Hearts happened. I, I took the game apart all of, all in my head and everything and found the stuff that I liked and that I didn't. And then I modified and replaced and like, it's not even recognizable. <laughs> um, it's, it's just something completely different. But like, it does have that, like, there's 2d6, but you can add an additional d6, which throws that off and everything. And I just, I wanted a game where I was a grown up. That was part of it. Yeah. And I wanted a game where I could have some calm and I, I wanted to be able to explore a character kind of inside and out, their relationships and who they are and like find out who they really, really are. But I wanted to do it at a pace that didn't feel like I was rushing, that didn't feel so full of passion and that let me have some quiet, I guess. I think that's just something that a lot of games don't have and i i love that turn has that because i think there are times where we need that in games we need to be able to play something that we can really be calm and have that like like i i guess what i'm trying to say is like i don't see many slice of life games no they're really rare <laughs> they, they are i i've seen very few of them and even some of the ones that i have seen still big things happen you know but i haven't really seen a lot of games that focus on that kind of like just calm struggles <laughs> if that makes sense yeah and like struggling is a big part of the game like it's not that it's without stress like <laughs> I keep on accidentally naming mechanics, and that's just because that's part of the game. Um, <laughs> so you can get super stressed out and like mechanically even stressed out to the point that like you have to change forms, but you maintain control the whole right. time. Um, you may have to now be a wolf, but you're going to be able to do whatever you choose to do all the right. time. Um, and uh, one of the base rules uh, for especially using like the struggles which are the replacement for moves. They work a little differently. If you try to do a thing, you succeed at it. But there may be consequences, and it may take time. And the, the concept of time is actually really important in turn. Like, it can take time to get from one side of town to the other. It can take time for you to accomplish one of your goals. Things are not typically just done in one scene. And that forced kind of pacing, like, really, it, it can really make a difference, I think. And I, I also think that the fact that the fact that the game is literally about here are some goals that a normal person would have to do, and here are some goals that a normal beast would have to do. That's what you're going to do to advance, right? Not like anything like super dramatic or big. Yeah. Like we have like one or two. I, I think pretty much every one of the human roles has at least one goal that's a pretty big deal, but it's meant to take you like a whole year in canon. To, to succeed at that. So what made you want to give that kind of like agency still to a player when they are in their beast form? Because often like, you know, you said you wanted to game with werewolves, right? And, and kind of stereotypical werewolf is like, oh, no, now they can't control themselves because they're in wolf or wolf form. Yeah, this actually ties back to the consent thing that we were talking about. So like, I hate when I lose agency in games, especially whenever I'm playing a character that I care about, which is most of them. I get really into my characters. 
<laughs> but whenever you say, well, you just turned into a werewolf, um, like you turned into your wolf form, and now the wolf is going to go murder people. As a player, that strips away your agency and it violates your consent immediately. Mm-hmm. And I can't brook with that. Like, I can't handle it. It upsets me a lot. And, like, I've gotten really distressed in some games because the, like, powers take you over or do things that you don't want to do. Because, like, I actually am, in in real life, uh, am kind of a bit of a pacifist in a lot of ways after a history of uh, a life that had more violence in it than it should. And I have tried a lot to, like, look into this deeply as I design new games and everything. And with turn, like, the biggest thing is it is violence to say to someone, you're going to do violence. Right. One of the most evil things a person can do, from my perspective, is make someone else do evil things they don't want to do. Yeah. And so whenever I was designing this, like, the very first thing that happened was you don't lose control. Like, you you have control. You, what you do matters. Like, I even have a character who... He's my longest played character in our playtest of the game, who his first time he turned as the late bloomer, which is the basically the, the shifter that discovers their identity later in life. The first time he turned, he killed someone. He was hit by a drunk driver and he was really upset and angry and he went to hurt the guy and didn't realize his strength. So it did just as bad as he intended, but he didn't know it would actually kill the person, basically. Right. And so he had to deal with all the consequences from that. Like, so this happened uh, technically before canon. So like in the prologue or yeah, the prologue kind of thing um, of the story where like whenever he first turned in his background questions, this is what happened. And um, it's one of the only games of turn I've had where someone has gotten killed. And like, (laughs) it was really hard because I was like, no, he has to deal with the fact that he made that choice. Which is its own kind of challenge. You know, it, you don't take away anything interesting by telling people, no, everything you do is your decision right. and your consequences. So um, I think it actually made the game more uh, impactful and more intense. Uh, it made violence matter a lot more in the game. And it also makes just their everyday decisions stronger because they know they could choose to, choose to do something else because they have the they have a power. Right. In all of the other ways that they may be marginalized, they have some sort of you know, privilege. And that is their shifter abilities. So having that basically PC power, like (laughs) I'm a PC, so I can do what I want, really matters. And uh, it's made the game so fascinating. Yeah, that's really interesting. I love that so much. Is, Is there something in particular about that beta game that's going on or about the like design of the game in general that is your favorite? Oh, so Turn is my favorite game I've ever played. I will go ahead and say that straight up. <laughs> I designed the game that I wanted. Right. Very much so. And I really am enjoying the long play that we have going on because Turn is designed primarily for long play. It's not... I'm working on a one-shot version to release with the Kickstarter, but the, the game itself is meant for longer play. And I really... Like, we've had the opportunity. We've been playing for basically a year now, um, spaced out a little bit. And the character that I'm playing is that uh, that late bloomer, a cougar. His name is Bo. And uh, the beautiful thing about playing games where people explore their identity is sometimes it helps you with your own. Right. And um, Bo was a chosen name I've had for myself as a my more masculine side of my identity for years. And I've never used it. I used it for 
characters and like pets and like everything. <laughs> I never, ever once used it for myself until I played Bo and hearing people call me it like really hit home, I guess. Um, and very recently, I actually officially announced that I'm going to be using Bo as an alternate name. Um, so I'm Brie Bo or either or. And it is like one of the biggest steps I've taken towards accepting my own identity. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. That's so personal. <laughs> but I, I love that. And I really, I'm such a strong believer that RPGs can do this thing for us, right? They can help us explore parts of ourselves and help connect us in ways that we can't necessarily do in real life. Really? Seriously? I, I 100% agree. I actually wouldn't have come out as non-binary, I don't think, had I not played a very specific game of Sagas of the Icelanders with a couple <laughs> of my friends at Origins a couple of years ago. Like that, that, that's, there's like, I can remember the exact two seconds in the game where I realized that it was time and I would not have done it if I hadn't played that session. And I, like, I know I keep using the word beautiful, but like, <laughs> it, it really, it, it's such a beautiful thing. It really, truly to goodness is like one of the most purest things that I think RPGs can do. And like, I tear up like when I hear stories like this and I am, I'm, I'm tearing up when I hear your story because, <laughs> because it's just so good. It just makes me so happy that there are designers who are creating this thing that is meant to be fun, but underlying is giving people permission to try something different, something new, or something that they feel is who they are. And the fact that that actually happens, and I hear stories like yours, just it just makes me so happy. And I, I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Like, it's very important to me. And I, I'm trying to be a little open about it, because I want people to understand that, like, you can play this game and have a true experience, um, just like other really amazing games like Sagas, you know, like, it's it's sometimes hard for us to like be who we want to be and and sometimes being able to play like part of the reason why I wanted to do slice of life is because you can explore who you could be so much more easily if you're playing just an everyday kind of thing with a supernatural bent than whenever there's so much drama going on yeah. to me anyway like I'm just a person who requires a calmer environment and so like I just get to play Bo like going about his daily life and you know falling in love and and exploring his future and while i'm doing that i'm also you know struggling with you know his beast identity and its needs and wants and it makes it distant enough but still a real enough experience that i can imagine how it would be yeah i love that so much and i love that turn really takes that opportunity for people to heart at at its core is being able to explore in a calm manner where you can where you can explore in a different way. Because like you said, a lot of RPGs, that exploration can be through, you know, the collaborative storytelling and mm -hmm. and through self-exploration, but often there's a lot going on. There's a lot yeah. of drama. There's a there's a bigger story than your identity. Yeah, and I I know plenty of people can explore in those environments and like I've done so and everything. I just wanted to make something where, you know, these these characters can be conduit a little bit more easily and a little bit more quietly. Yeah, I love it. 
I love it. It's so good. It's really funny. It makes me think of, um, so I'm actually currently playing a game Monster Hearts with three of my friends, two playing and one GMing. And uh, all but one of them have uh, played Turn. And they started this Monster Hearts game after playing Turn a couple of times. And we noticed that we play our characters, uh, I call it so much squishier. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're like, we're more like, but we're best friends and we're not going to let anything go wrong. And (laughs) like, we're going to try and do the right thing and and be there for each other. And like, it's so funny because like, I I didn't, (laughs) I didn't really foresee this, but it has been really interesting watching like people who normally play a little bit more aggressively in games and maybe a little bit more tough and drama heavy be like, how about instead we just like, I don't know, be friends and save the world together and it's very it's very precious and wonderful that's that's cute (laughs) choosing a softer approach yeah yeah i I really like that it's that it's really neat to see that like from game to game i think that's a, a cool thing about experiencing a lot of different kinds of games is finding the kind of game for you but also mm-hmm. finding the kind of game that has the right tone for you because it's it's not a bad thing it's a, at all for people to explore their own self-identity in games that have a lot of drama some people yes, are able to do truth. that you know and and be able to incorporate those those pieces into those games absolutely but I think it's important to be able to have like a nice balance of, of these sorts of games. And so I'm so excited about Turn because I really, really don't see many like it. I really appreciate that. It's so good. <laughs> I promise I'm not gunning for some sort of novelty uniqueness award, but I, I I made it because I didn't see something like it for me. And yeah, it really does hit everything that I had hoped. And that's, I, I think, really magical. It's It makes me really happy. That's so good. I think you've made something really special and I'm so excited to see how the Kickstarter goes for it. And I'm like beyond positive that it's going to be successful. I hope so. (laughs) Thank you. I I really like, I'm really super amped and I just, I want everyone to have the opportunity to play. If if it was easier to like do games for free and have food, I would (laughs) totally try to do that. But to make it a beautiful game with art and poetry, like I intend, I, I need to do the kickstarter and i'm hoping that it succeeds uh so everybody should go to kickstarter and the link will be in the show notes of course and i will tweet about it a whole bunch (laughs) but we won't wrap up just yet because i still have some questions for you that are not turn related sorry i talk about it a lot (laughs) no don't apologize at all i i love how how deep we got into that that was that's perfect i love it but i also want to find out like what was your first RPG and what got you into RPGs? So my first RPG, I think, was D&D, but I don't remember it. The first RPG I remember was Shadowrun 3rd Edition, and it is still uh, next to turn my favorite game. Why? Uh, <laughs> so I love the world and I love the aesthetic and I like a lot of the mechanics that a lot of people hate. I love building characters that take four hours. And I don't like this with most games. It's like literally just with Shadowrun that I'm like this. Like, uh, <laughs> burning, burning wheel in front of me. And I'm like, no, Shadowrun, I would do anything for. I just, something about it. I, I was, uh, so I was introduced to it by my, at the time, boyfriend, now husband, John Sheldon. And I spent forever building a character and I sat down and five minutes into the session, my character was completely dead and not revivable. Oh, no. <laughs> And I was like, I need to play this again. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I think it was just like, it was just so weird and different. And like the concept of resistance that is actually in Shadowrun, contrary to what a lot of people believe. It was important to me at the time because I was like 15 and I was trying to like explore the world a little bit. And it was something I shared with John, but also just I really loved the game so deeply. And I I still do today. Like I, I, I love playing it. John was even running a game for me briefly recently, uh, just a single player uh, session game. And I was playing a total pacifist, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I got into I, I did text based RP from whenever I was really young online, which is like no mechanics narrative play. Right. And uh, then I met John um, and I'd already been into video games and everything like that. So RPGs just sounded like a nice logical step. (laughs) And he introduced me to stuff and I I got really into it. And I was the, the one who kind of in all of my fiery feminist anger connected us to uh, like the gaming community that was on G plus and did like design and stuff. So it's it it put a lot of passion in me. I really enjoyed the play and everything. I didn't enjoy actual D and D as much, even though I play D and D now uh, <laughs> with my other partner Dylan, and it's wonderful. Um, but the collaborative world building is so fun, and like playing characters that are different from you, but maybe a little bit the same as you, and I don't know, like exploring worlds that you know aren't real, but like you can maybe imagine. Like all of that stuff is so good, so rich, and. I just kind of want to do it all the time. I love that. That's a great answer. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. So kind of going back to like you discovering RPGs, how do you feel that today those RPGs really influence your daily life? Like we know how they influenced you kind of in a big way. How do they influence you on a more like regular daily basis? So Shatterin is still something that like I really enjoy playing. Um, I'm really into it and I'm into cyberpunk stuff. So like, it touches like fiction and stuff because like I do some writing and I do game design and the evolution from it like to solarpunk is also something that's very important to me. Uh, I designed a solarpunk spotlight for Cortex Prime. I also did a solarpunk adventure like scenario for Return to the Stars, which was like recently on Kickstarter. Okay, yeah. And uh, so that is all. All of that is actually influenced by like Shadowrun in some ways, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that little elements of it, I do carry forward. And like I said, I still play both of them occasionally. And like some of the stuff that like I liked in the design, I think about whenever I'm designing, whether I use that kind of stuff in it or not. That's really cool. Especially like that it kind of influences that like creative side of you and like makes you think about your own games and your own rules and your own mechanics and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's neat that it does that. And I mean, kind of tangentially related, what is it that inspires you to continue to design RPGs, to to write them, to play them, to run them? Where does that inspiration come from? I mean, so a lot of it stems from if I ask a question and there's no answer, I, I want to answer it. Like, let me take a selfie was, um, are there any selfie games that I like enjoy that would like fit my needs to play? No? Okay, then I'm gonna make them. And <laughs> like, with Turn, it was, wow, I just didn't find what I was missing in this one session. What was I missing? Right. How do I find that answer? And like, I, I ask questions. It's a lot of what I do. And asking those questions helps me like, kind of find where I should design and what I should design. Um, Like, 
I've asked questions of things for like whether it's appropriate to design a game of its kind uh, because of like the situation in the world at this time and changed my mind because of it. And that's, I think a lot of it is if, if there's a question, I, I think I have to pursue it at least a little to see if I can give an answer. But I really love that the kind of that drive for you is continuing to answer that question and continuing to at least explore the possible answers to it. I think that's a really cool way of thinking. Thank you. I like that a lot. I appreciate that. And have you found the like reception to your to your games, to your design, to your interaction in the community? Have you found it largely positive? Have you encountered any barriers that you wish you could like smash down or um I think there are always barriers, um, particularly for recognition for like financial success and stuff like that. Um, I would say my biggest issue as a designer is I tend to fade into the background with my actual work. When I released Let Me Take a Selfie, it was like, you could have heard a pin drop. And like, yeah, I released it myself, but that's part of the reason why I did a Kickstarter for Behind the Mask. That's why I'm doing a Kickstarter for Turn, because I need big fanfare for anyone to pay attention long enough to consider supporting my work. And um, that's partially like a non-binary person thing. That's partially like a non-cis masculine thing. It's also partially a, uh, I was originally in the industry as assumed a cis woman thing. Right. There's all of those elements <laughs> piling on right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of that piled against me a little bit, I think. And I do have some very vocal and very wonderful supporters who are amazing and keep me going. But, uh, I will say that, that there can be a bit of a struggle whenever I'm trying to like, you know, see a a possible success. And like the goal for turn is not as small as the goal for behind the mask was for the Kickstarter by a, a pretty significant margin. But it is worth it to me in every way. All of the all of the expenses, like technically my payout is like a tiny fraction. Right. Um, it's all paying for art and for layout and all sorts of different things that go into this kind of project. Right. And to to succeed, I have to do the big, stressful, exhausting things Yeah, to, to get my name out there, to get people to recognize it. But I, I'm hoping it's getting better. Uh, I did manage to get uh, nominated for Indie Ground Baker Awards when I submitted last year for this year for last year for Let Me Take a Selfie. And I got invited to a convention as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So there, there are some things that are looking up, but I, I would say people generally aren't negative to me. Uh, people just generally don't notice uh, my work. They notice me maybe as a person. Blue hair kind of does that. But they don't always see, you know, the the products that I put, got, put out, like my blog that I do interviews on um, doesn't always get a lot of notice Stuff like that. So I, I think that there are barriers and, and everything that maybe are becoming easier, uh, but there's still work to do. For sure. I think there's a lot of systemic barriers that we can work on around the RPG community in general. And I am also hopeful <laughs> because I, I think when I see some of the bigger companies, like not the indie people, when I see these larger companies being really forward with having queer designers or non cishet white male designers. Yeah. When I see the bigger companies starting to do that, it, it gives me hope that like they're finally taking notice that the fact that the indie design community has always been that. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I I kind of always feel like the indie community is always a step ahead of the bigger companies. <laughs> yeah, I think we have our own kind of bogeys and everything, but we we definitely have been angling more towards uh, diverse and like accepting environments and people mm-hmm. for a while now. It's just uh, big companies are slow to keep up like the icebergs they are. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're they tend to be a little bit stuck in the past. And so I, I think that some of those systemic barriers are being slowly ripped apart, not quite as quickly as any of us would want, but um, right. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not not nearly as quickly. But I'm I'm super hopeful that Turn gets a really good fanfare around it and a, and a lot of recognition because it it definitely deserves it and and you deserve it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that very much. And. Um, I guess, is there anything else that you feel like we didn't touch on or that you really want to get out there, like a message or or just anything you want to say before we wrap it up? I mean, I would say, most of all, I hope that maybe people will check out the Kickstarter and see their secret beast uh, in the available backer levels and help us make it come true. But even if they don't, I am super happy for anyone who has supported in all of the ways that they have, including you. Um, it means a lot to me because this project is super important to me. And <laughs> and uh, every bit of love that people t- put forward it means that even if it doesn't succeed, I will know that people cared. And that's the big, big important part. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. This has been a really, really great chat, Bree. I super appreciate just your your really putting yourself out there for me and and just sharing some pretty personal stuff about yourself and and turn and and the games that you you create. It's really obvious how how much of yourself you put into them and and how much passion you have for them. So I I very much appreciate you coming on the show and, and chatting with me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really wonderful. You had some excellent questions. And uh, I like have really been grateful for the attention that you've paid to the work I've done. You're welcome. Always. Support for the I Am Here podcast, presented by RPG Casts, is made possible by listeners like you. You can help the show going for as little as $1 a month when you become a patron on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash rpgcasts to check out exclusive rewards for patrons and to make your pledge. The intro and outro music for I Am Here was composed by Emily E. Mayo. Special thanks to Peter Grelly for designing the graphic art and assets for both RPG Casts and for I Am Here. Thank you so much for listening. It means so much.